The scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. From from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The Word of the Lord. Between the words that are spoken and the words that are heard, may the Spirit of God be present. Amen. I received an email that was headed, Have you seen this? And enclosed was an image from a family advent calendar. It was day six. It was teaching children the Coventry Carol, maybe you know it, Luli, Lule, uh, thou tiny child, and introducing them to a character in the story, King Herod, evil King Herod. And here's the thing about the image. He was me. Yeah. I thought there that maybe it was the vengeance of some artist parishioner I had crossed. I didn't know, but there were thousands of people around America seeing this murderous psychopath with more or less my face and more hair. In fact, on Sunday, uh, a child standing behind mommy looked across and said, Mommy, it's Herod. So this is the text, Matthew 2. This is a text with which I have, I guess I would say, some sense of personal connection. I prefer to spend Christmas with Luke. Not as many negative elements. Um, I mean, even the exclusion from the inn in Luke's gospel is because there's no vacancy, not because there's abject hostility toward the Holy Family. It's more like a tearful episode of Cult Midwife, but with angels and 
peace on earth. Now, Matthew, Matthew is different. Joseph doesn't get mentioned. Um, it's just Mary and Jesus in the story. And she doesn't get any lines like those great lines in the Magnificat in Luke. No, it's just uh, a star, nameless strangers from the East, and a murderous psychopath. Star, strangers, psychopath. The strangers are magoi, wise men, magi, stargazing astrologers, interpreters of dreams. Scholars think possibly Zoroastrian priests coming to Jerusalem, looking for one they're calling born king of the Jews. Some of you uh, are old enough to remember uh, what it was like during the Reagan administration when it was discovered that Nancy Reagan's astrologer was actually actively shaping U.S. foreign policy decisions with Russia through the First Lady's influence on the president. It was quite a scandal. <laughs> uh, because, you see, astrologers were not considered credible guides for U.S. foreign policy. But thousands of years ago in Persia, these astrologers would be the intellectuals, respected intellectuals, um, the scientists, if you will. And their visit to Jerusalem to visit the king of the Jews, it creates buzz. Because you see, there already is a king of the Jews, <laughs> King Herod. Now, I want you to try, try to imagine what it's like to disapprove of the leader of your government. Use your imagination. Herod was not popular with the people. He, he was not a descendant of King David. He did not come from the heroic line of the rulers, the Maccabees, the Hanukkah heroes. Uh, no, his father was from Edom, which was a region south of the Dead Sea, associated with the descendants of Esau. Uh, someone who married, an outsider who married a Jewish woman. But in 37, the year 37, before the Common Era, when he was around 40, Herod was granted the client kingship of Judea, or the vassal kingship, if you will, of Judea, by the Roman Senate as a reward for his loyalty to Rome during the Parthian War. Imagine this. When he was installed as king under Augustus, he walked out of the Senate building arm in arm with the two most powerful men in the world, Caesar Augustus and Mark Antony. Herod then led a procession up the Capitoline Hill to the Temple of Jupiter, and there he offered a sacrifice to the god Jupiter the chief deity of imperial Roman religion. This was the newly minted king of the Jews. Let's just say devout Jews were not fans. So when Magi from Persia 
arrive in Jerusalem with news that a child has been born king of the Jews, Herod is terrified. This idea, this rumor of a long dead royal line of David is somehow being revived. A true king, Aragorn-like, has returned. So what does Herod do? Well, first, he consults with the Bible scholars. And they tell him, why, why yes. <laughs> the prophet Micah predicted that a future ruler will be born in Bethlehem. And while I don't know this is Matthew's intention, uh, just as a sidebar, I, it struck me that none of these interpreters then decide to go seek after the child. <laughs> I, I see myself not only in my uh, lookalike Herod, but a little bit in these scholars, because there are just plenty of things that I hear in the scriptures that I file away because I don't have the curiosity or the courage to pursue them. But maybe you can identify with that too. Anyway, Herod, Herod then consults with the Magi, um, and they speak of the star that has led them to this place. Now, I'm not going to try to explain the star because I can't. Uh, it is a device within Matthew's storytelling uh, intended as a supernatural phenomenon. But, but its symbolic meaning is incredibly powerful. Um, and it creates real heat in the storytelling because with it, Matthew cites this prophecy from the book of Numbers, a prophecy from Balaam. A star will come forth out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Those, are, those images had for centuries been associated with David's victories, as a fulfilled in David's victories and in his dynasty. So this is actually really, you know, the star is ultimately this that baby in the manger. <laughs> and what he represents. It marks the child as the Messiah. So Herod, uh, duplicitously, I think, says, uh, find him so that I can do him homage too. They do. They're warned in a dream, um, and they return home uh, using an alternate route, as though you would need a dream to not trust Herod, given his track record. Anyway, if you read on in the story, you, you probably know this, um, Herod is paranoid and he sends death squads and he kills all the male babies under age two uh, in an attempt to assassinate the rival. Matthew is a gospel for dark winter times. It's a, a Tim Burton Christmas, <laughs> if you will. Um, and my point is this, it is not the exception to the rule in this fallen, broken world. Let's call it, uh, as we look back, 2020 world. It's not the exception, it's the rule. In this story, Jesus and his parents, uh, they barely escape with their lives. Um, this is Christmas in all of its brutal fullness. Salvation of the world comes enshrouded in the very evil that Jesus will overcome. And the whole point of Matthew's telling is, it is being 
overcome, and that is an epiphany. The Magi can see the star. Get it? They can see it. Uh, they are able to seek, and they are able to find. The season of epiphany that we are moving in in the church calendar from Christmas into epiphany, the idea of manifestation, this manifestation of this truth, is that the good news of Jesus is for anyone, anywhere, anytime. I mean, these guys, they're crossing lines of country, religion, culture. Why? Because they're searching for God. And their costly hope, their, the longing ache uh, underneath their journey, behind their journey. It reminds me of um, some lines from a poem uh, from the great Pauli Murray. She says this, Hope is a song in a weary throat. Give me a song of hope and a world where I can sing it. Give me a song of faith and a people to believe in it. Give me a song of kindliness and a country where I can live it. This is my personal hope for 2021. I don't want to just see myself in the psychopath uh, or in faithless Bible scholars. I want to see myself in the Magi. I want to see myself in them, in these wise people, and also in courageous justice leaders like Pauli Murray. She was, a, she was a civil rights activist. She was the first black woman ordained to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. These are people who cross lines to search for God. And they don't just cross lines, they bring their treasure, their gifts. They bow down. They're people who give themselves to God and center themselves in costly love. As you hear that, I wonder, would you describe yourself as somebody who is searching for God? Is there something, anything, that right now is centering and focusing your life? I, I receive that question as, as good news. I mean, I resemble Herod, right? There's, it's not just the beard and the, and the face. There's a part of me that, that really rejects God's rights to have say in things. I don't always just joyfully and willingly accept Jesus as my savior and my teacher. But Matthew comes to us showing the tenacity, the doggedness of God's purpose to save people like me, people like you. The collect in the liturgy today, uh, the, the, the shared prayer that kind of shapes things, says that uh, it says the promise is this. It's the promise of Christmas that we might share the divine life of him who humbled himself to save our humanity. I'll close with this. Um, the very beginning of last year, the, near the, the year that should not be named, um, I heard this inspiring interview, um, clueless yet of all that was to come. Um, but the sad news was here in San Francisco that Beach Blanket Babylon was closing after 45 years. 
talk about things, signs of things to come. Um, but it was an interview with the Wig Master. If you ever saw that show, if you didn't, tough, sorry, it's gone. But it was this great show that featured these really dramatic wigs. Um, uh, it was with the Wig Master, and it was tearful. Uh, it was just heartbreaking to hear that this, after 45 years, this show was disappearing. But this guy said, he said, hey, if you're out there and you're sad because Beat's Blanket is closing, create something. Make a new miracle. Bring some back. I hear that in the light of Christmas. <laughs> the light of Christ has appeared. It is for you. You are loved. As you perceive what God has done for you, know there's a journey for you. There are works of love, of beauty, of justice that will, will only and can only uniquely come from you in your pilgrimage as you share God's life and light. May 2021 be a year where we, where you, create something. Make a new miracle. Bring some back. Amen.